Welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me again is Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you feeling? Um, you know, it's interesting because as much as it seems like it, this should be a kind of a dead time for the team as we kind of do our, our post-mortems for the season and so on and so forth, um, you... I, you know, having listened to the new Max and Vince podcast, which I recommend everyone go out and do, you know, it got me back, started to get excited again for, again, what's going to be a pretty short and exciting off season, um, you know, as we head in, you know, because we basically have two months left until we start, we see our team back on the field again in um, CONCACAF Champions League play. So, again, it's, it's it'll be an exciting and short while before we're right back into things, you know. So, again, it, as, as much as I... You know, I think we probably all had reason to be a little bit down after the way we bowed out. Yeah, again, it's one of those things where it looks like we'll be right back at things sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously part of the reason we're here. Uh, for those of you who haven't listened yet, we released part one of this episode last night, uh, kind of our postseason wrap up where we're going through each position group and each player in that position group to uh, talk about their their individual performances this season and what we think their status with the club will be going forward. And then our plan for tonight was to also wrap up with some talk of the expansion draft. Now, Josh, I know that John Thornton got into some of that with Max and Vince. Anything you want to share with us or should we just go listen? No, I'd recommend going and listen. You know, like, first of all, support those guys. They, they give us some great content from within the club, you know, but at the same time, it, I don't think I'll do it justice in terms of trying to explain, you know, some of the things that he talked about. So definitely go give it a listen, you know, in, in conjunction to this pod. All right. Well, let's dive right into this. Last night, I think uh, we both were a little bit surprised on uh, how long it took us to get through some of these players. So I guess the best place to start with the defenders is Walker Zimmerman. Josh, what do you have on Walker? So. I was actually thinking about this, you know, just a few minutes before we got on and uh, wanted to save this for the pod. But my question at this point is, how much better is he than Tristan Blackman? Right. And this kind of we'll talk about Blackman a little bit, you know, as well. But I, I wonder, you know, based on what we saw, you know, like at the beginning part of the season, looked like a world beater, was in the running for MLS Defender of the Year. It still finished in the top in the you know in in the running you know but definitely did not finish the year um in the same way that it started it seemed like play really dropped off right right around june after the gold cup and it just things just didn't seem the same for him i mean the back line was shifting and changing much you know quite a bit between the goalkeeper you know with the keepers and the and the some of the people that he was playing with but again you know out, but outside of eddie segura you know maybe it was the continuity issue but again it just didn't seem he didn't seem the same guy that we saw at the beginning of the year. And then obviously heading to the playoffs, he took that nasty hit, you know, in the concussion. And, you know, you wonder what, how that affected him, you know, heading into the, into the playoff games. But, um, but yeah. And then it leaves me with the question to ask is how, what, you know, if you were to use a FIFA rating, right. on a scale of zero to a hundred, you know, how much, how much better is he than, you know, than a Tristan Blackman at this point? That's a good question. I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant because I do like Tristan Blackman so much at right back. Uh, but I think it's a valid point. I think the club has made it clear from the very beginning that they want him to be a center back. Uh, he looks good doing it. He's got the size and the build. Um, and I think he brings you a couple unique qualities as a converted fullback, mainly his recovery speed, his abilities on the ball. Uh, man, I if I was to rate them both at center back, I don't know, you'd probably see Walker around 70, 71 maybe. And I guess Blackman is 66, 67. I'm sure, I'm sure they're both rated much lower than that on the actual FIFA game, but that's where I'd probably have them right now. Right. So if you think about that being, you know, again, it, it's if if the, if he's not that much, f not that far behind him in terms of what he brings to the table, you know, like I, I, I didn't see too much of a drop off in the games that he started, you know, for for um, 
for Walker, but we're paying him five times as much. Right. Yeah. And, and I think the one thing that came up, you know, I will say this, one of the things that came up in, in the, in Thornton's discussion with, with Max and or with Vince, you know, and then something that they had talked about in their pod as well was, um, you know, that what they're going to look to do this off season more than anything is to continue to build depth. Because again, with three competitions in the league, generally not caring much about the other two in terms of scheduling and some of those things, you know, look no further than the way that mm-hmm. us open cup was scheduled with a game two days later in he on the road for LAFC. Um, you know, so given, given all that, it having, having a fair amount of depth behind, you know, your, your top, your, you know, your starting 11 is going to be paramount to your success. And given the, given the, you know, the issues with the salary cap. And again, there may be some things that will st- are still yet to pan out because of the CBA, which I think expires after the season starts or maybe right before the season starts. So it may, it may be a little bit weird because they're going to start CCL play before, you know, the actual, you know, the way that the rosters are going mm-hmm. to be, you know, the rules on how the rosters are built for the league are yet to be set. So again, what the team decides to do with that, I don't know. Um, and so, uh, that that is in, to me was an interesting thought, you know, thought experiment. Looking at okay, if he is what maybe a, a few points better than on his, you know, in, in his overall skill and rating, is he worth is he worth five times more than that same guy? And given given the team's abil- ability to develop players so far, can you continue to do that? with with other players maybe through the academy or through other 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 um mechanisms you know whether that be through you know finding a guy like eddie segura um or whatever it may be <laughs> that you're gonna pay a yeah. whole lot less yeah i mean zimmerman is a he's such an interesting case i think because at the end of last year there was talk you know he was linked to europe a couple of different times ended up signing that tam deal with us and as you mentioned, played really well in the first half of the season. Then after the Gold Cup, the wheels kind of fell off. Uh, not that he was uh, poor, just that he wasn't the same. Um, now, I, I'd be willing to bet that he gets some of that back and is ready to go to start the new the next season. Um, and as you were mentioning about depth, I think, I think it is going to be important to carry both him and Blackman into the next season. Um, if for nothing more than depth, but I think a back line, which I would assume is going to be Palacios, Segura, Zimmerman, and Blackman, um, is is pretty solid, and and you can rely on them to kind of form that back four for the for the bulk of the season and to to put you in a good position. Um, Man, it, it it is really tough because he is making a lot of money. I just don't think the club is going to move on from him right away, um, especially with Blackman just just starting to come into his own. I just looked up their ratings, by the way. Um, Zimmerman is a seventy three, and Blackman is a fifty eight, which is probably due to his kind of late breakout this season, um, where he kind of came on in the in the second half of the season and really started performing better. I would imagine that'll change next year uh, and you'll see him uh, more highly rated so yeah and so yeah again and you just have to wonder like again what how they decide to parse out that money and again we'll we'll see on how they go about you know working through the cap and and or not working through the cap because again i think you know maybe maybe they just just decide to you know i mean you you can kind of maybe pull a um pull an la galaxy and you know, make moves first and, and, you know, and ask for forgiveness later and see how things go, especially if it means, you know, you making a run towards, you know, CCL glory, which the league hasn't done um, in its current, in the, you know, in in the tournament's current form. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Eddie Segura. I mean, what about him? You know, he's probably, you know, had it not been for, you know, um, the development of Latif Blessing and Atuesta, you you know, you're looking at him as probably 
you know, the the most important person on the team, right? Um, yeah. You know, outside of Carlos Vela, because again, it was he he was outside um, other than um, Diego Rossi, he was the only other player to play and to feature in every single game this season. Right. So he's been a model of consistency. You know, he, he is not without his faults. Right. I mean, he's a 5'11 center back, you know, so then he, you know, he had his struggles against Zlatan. But again, there were better, there are bigger defenders in the league that had struggled against Zlatan as well. Right. And so it's one of those things where I'm not going to get too, um, you know, I can't, I can only hold so much against him when it regards to some of that because again, he, he was probably, you know, again, MLS best 11 defender um, and doesn't get the credit he deserved probably because he, you know, kind of came late on to, you know, was a guy that no one really expected to play the way that he did this season. Um, you know, because again, in my opinion, he, he probably had a better year than Zimmerman in all honesty. And, you know, Walker mm-hmm. was, was in the, was in that running for um, defender of the year. So, Again, credit all credits to him and the work that he put in and what the team was able to get out of him. And again, because I don't think, you know, I think at the beginning of the year we most people assumed that it would probably be Walker and um, Danilo Silva as your starting center backs to start the year. Right. Yeah, I I, I agree with you that Segura is the stronger defender one v one, especially. Um, I think. Uh, he had a couple of gaffes this year that I think kind of set him back a little bit. I think maybe two own goals, if I'm if I'm correct. Uh, and he's not the the aerial threat that Walker's going to be. Um, so Walker, you know, anytime he scores, he's going to be in the MLS team of the week and getting headlines as a result. Um, but Eddie Segura was just always so consistent in the back, uh, could always be depended upon to win tackles on, on breakaways um, and to stop tax from and to stop attacks from developing. So I, th- I personally think that you hold on to, you know, you hold on to that partnership. You don't move Walker Zimmerman on because I think year two of that partnership is going to be uh, even more solid than it was this year, uh, especially with no gold cup in the middle to kind of throw off the chemistry. Um, I mean, of course there'll be other tournaments and stuff, but, uh, I think I think you look to build on that. There's no sense in in shaking up your center backs if you don't have to. I mean, unless they go out and sign somebody big, which I don't think they would do. But uh, I'm excited to see that partnership going into year three here. Um, let's see. Should we stay with center backs for now and then move out to the outside backs? Yeah, let's finish. Them okay, up. so I guess the next one we should probably talk about is Danilo Silva who had a season-ending surgery on his back. And given his state as an international player, I don't think he'll be back with the team. Um, What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I I think considering just kind of the way that his, you know, again, he's probably toward the end of his career and some of those different things. You know, again, he was serviceable for the time that he was available but it, again at this point i think it was a, a bit far and few between given what we'll probably need moving forward and so you know i think that that spot will likely go to another player i think in the long run yeah yeah uh the next one is and i mean there's not a whole lot to talk about with these guys because we were so solid at center back that there wasn't a whole lot of rotation uh the next guy would be dejan Djokovic who saw more action at the end of the season once Silva went out. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good when he came in, uh, probably because he had fresh legs. He spent a lot of the season loaned out. Anything to add on him, Josh? I mean, you know, I think the big, you know, look, the way that he played in the Galaxy game, you know, was exactly what the doctor ordered given that time. Yeah. And so I think... Given given that we're likely not going to have to pay him that much to continue, you know, to keep him on the team, and I think he counts it as a domestic player because he's Canadian. He does. Um, you know, I I you know unless unless there's a reason not to have him there, I mean, I don't, you know, he's a nice option to just have in to come in and be tall and be physical and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, 
you know, again, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised by his appearances. I think in the, he made, uh, he played in the open cup a couple of times and looked fairly good back there during, you know, when, um, when Walker was, was gone on national team. Mm-hmm. Duty. And so I think they had that pairing of black men out wide. Cause I think um, beta had just strained his hamstring in the Dallas game. And then Yakovich um, and Segura in the middle, and you know, again, they looked fine. And you know, and that was against a Seattle, t- I mean, a San Jose team, you know, that looked pretty good. So yeah, uh, I think I think you are right. I think he'll be back because again, he doesn't cost much. I think he's a good option as a fourth or fifth center back option. Um, given what we saw from him this year, a guy that's going to come in and get you twenty five minutes or help you go to a three man back line. Or, or a five-man back line. Um, I, I, I think you probably would have uh, one signing come in and be above him in the roster. Um, so probably you go out and sign a third or fourth option, depending on how you see Tristan Blackman. Um, and then we have Lamar Batista behind him too, who spent, I think, the entire season on loan. I don't think he was with Phoenix Rising, though. Do you remember where he was this season? Uh, Tucson, I think. Okay, was it Tucson? All right. Um, he's a guy that spent a lot of time with the Portland Timbers, too. I don't know if he's going to factor in next season or not, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, let's go out to left back, Josh. Um, we should probably start with Jordan Harvey. What do you got on Harvey? I mean... To me, he is the consummate professional, right? He was, you know, he's probably, you know, Bob's extension of the coaching staff onto the field that, you know, mm-hmm. given the amount that he played and what they asked him to do and in certain spots, um, you know, and performed admirably when called upon. You know, I guess obviously his, given his age and, and point in his career, there were there are obvious limitations to, you know, to his game. And I think those are some of the reasons why you saw the team go out and find um you know, by a, a cheeky, a cheeky Palacios, and then also El Manier last year. But again, it was one of those things where they've they've got they've brought guys in to try and wrestle that spot away from him, and Harvey's just said no and has continued to win it. You know, continued to duke it out in practice and you know keep his spot. And again, there's you know obviously a few moments that we can point to and certain things that you know he's weak on. But at the same time, you know, I'm not sure there's there's very few guys in the league, you know, that are going to give you the consistency that he provided, you know, you know, exactly what you're going to get. You're never going to get cheated of the effort. You know, he's, you know, the, you know, the Elliot, you know, he's probably one of those, you know, one of the enforcers from the team to a certain degree, you know, you'll see him put in, you know, he's that guy that, that you expect to use a little bit of the uh, dark arts every yes. now and then, um, you know, and again, it's something that we probably don't do enough of given, you know, given I wouldn't say probably. I would say way, definitely. You know, like, we do not do enough of it. Yeah. You know, and given given the way that teams have tried to be physical with us and those types of things, you know, like you need a guy like that to kind of do mm-hmm. some of those things. He, I expect him to be with the team in some capacity. Um, we'll see if that means he's, you know, there as a coach or you know, or or again on, on remaining on the team, you know, probably in more limited minutes. But you know, again, I think that position likely will be passed on to one of the other two guys moving yeah. forward. But, you know, I do expect him to be around the team in some yeah. respects. Uh, given, I mean, given his numerous gritty performances, I, I would say his season was largely a success. I think the only thing you can complain about is his lack of offensive production, not necessarily one of uh, the new age fullbacks where he's always looking to get forward. He pretty much looks like a winger when he does get forward, taking defenders on 1v1. Uh, Harvey did – he did overlap with the wingers, but mostly it would be just to go occupy that space uh, and then cut the ball back. Every once in a while, you'd see him cross there. You know, a couple times he's involved in goals. um, But most of the time, it's just, uh, you know, playing the position game and and taking up space. Uh, I thought – um, yeah, I, I thought whenever he came off, we looked a little bit more dangerous in the attack. Um, but I mean, it's clear that Bob has a good relationship with him. 
I, I, it's really tough to say if he's going to be back with us next year or not. I don't think he's a guy that would get taken in the expansion draft if you left him unprotected. Um, I think it's just a matter of how many minutes he feels like he has on his legs, and I'm sure if he wants to come back, he can. Uh, but given who's behind him with Mohamed El-Munir and Diego Palacios now, more importantly, I think, uh, I don't think he's going to be the starter going forward. So let's move right on to El Munir here, Josh. What do you what do you have about him? I mean, I think he was a guy that was starting to probably, you know, wrestle away the starting position from, uh, you know, from from Harvey to a certain degree, or at least just you know eat into some of Harvey's minutes with the way that he had been playing, you know, in in the towards the middle of the season, you know, unfortunately the elbow that he took from Zlatan kind of quelled, um, mm-hmm. you know, that rise and and so on and so forth, and you know, and so it's tough to say what he'll look like moving forward. But again, it was you know the promise was there. He had definitely worked on his defensive side of the game, which was has always been kind of his you know, his, um, you know, his weakness. Will he want to stay around to continue to be a backup that I don't know, you know, again, again, it just kind of just depends on, um, you know, what the contract situations look like and that sort of thing. Um, you know, cause I would assume given the amount of money that they've invested and are paying Palacios, he will be, you know, the incumbent, yeah. um, or the expected starter heading into next year. And so again, I, you from a chemistry issue, those types of things, you know, like um, it seems like he's been, you know, it doesn't seem like he's been a malcontent to any, you know, to any degree, but at the same time, I, I think, you know, any athlete will tell you, you know, you want to play and you don't want to be sitting on the bench. And so right. whether or not that's going, that's going to happen on this team, I'm not sure. At the, mm-hmm. you know. uh, without skipping ahead too far, I think El Munir is, one of the most likely players to leave in the expansion draft because I don't think he's going to be protected. Uh, and I think he's at one of those critical positions and he's at a good enough age where a team can, can go after him and lock him up. Um, so I would not be surprised if he's not with the team next year because we just don't have enough uh, protected spots to be protecting multiple left backs. Um I, I've always liked what I've seen from him. He's, like I said, great on the ball, looked good defensively this year. Um, and uh, it, it'll, it'd be sad to see him go. But I think, like you said, given the money that is invested into Palacios and what we've seen from him in the little bit that we have seen, uh, I think it's pretty clear whose position that is to lose next year, which honestly bodes well for Jordan, for Jordan Harvey. If, if Munir is the guy that gets chosen next week in the expansion draft, I think you definitely see Harvey come back as the, as the backup. Um, but the lands is with Diego Palacios. You, I mean, I think we've almost covered it. Um, anything else to, uh, to say about him, Josh? Uh, I think if you look at the way that the team is set up, um, which was almost caught between two styles of four three three in possession. You know, like of you know, if you look at the the two dominant teams of the league that Bob constantly talks about. I mean, in the world that Bob will talk about patterning the game after that being, you know, Pep Guardiola, um, you know, at Manchester City or at Barcelona, and then Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. They've they've been a little bit caught between the two styles. You know, um, in terms of you attack with you know with the winger staying out wide and then the in the midfielders eating up the half space or do you go into a position where the wingers are i mean where the fullbacks are providing the service from mm-hmm. the outside and there that your creative force is from out there with the with the forwards being you know more pinched inside there's been times where they've done, you know, you, you see them kind of get caught between two worlds, which leads to some of the imbalance that we've seen defensively where, you know, too many of the midfielders getting forward, which leaves them a little bit, um, you know, a little bit exposed to the counter. And I think Minnesota probably was the prime example of that, where you just had, again, numbers pushed too far forward and getting caught out of position. Um, and again, in a way that you shouldn't, as opposed to, 
again, what you would typically expect to give up in those situations. Um, but that's where I think Palacios gives you another option to do that. You know, if you have Palacios and Blackman on the outside, then you really just have that that pure freedom to play, to have your creativity come from the wings. You have your midfield probably sit a little bit deeper, and then depending on what happens to Atuesta, right, that could be another question that, you know, that could be another reason why they've gone this direction. So you have, you know, midfielder that's likely, you know, probably like a defensive midfielder that can sit between the two center backs or sit a little bit deeper. You know, the two other midfielders kind of play more centrally and kind of hold, they're not bombing forward in the same way that you saw them at times. Um, more more on a balancing act there and then having the, um, like I said, your fullbacks be your providers in terms of creativity for, you know, for the winger, I mean, for your, your forward line. And so I think that's that's where you're going to see him make his biggest impact is when they decide to play mm-hmm. more of that style where where the fullbacks are providing um, the creative, you know, the creative force for the team. Yeah, I think with, with Blackman and Palacios on the, uh, in the fullback positions, you can really undo a lot of teams on the wings. I think they both have the quality to beat MLS defenders uh, 1v1. And I think they have both shown that they can serve in a good ball on the ground get or get to the line and cut it back. I think they've both shown that they can actually attack as well. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what those two can do. Uh, I guess let's go ahead and move over to right back now. Uh, Stephen Betashore. I mean, I believe the. I mean, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe he is the team's vice captain. Right, and I think he's the one mm. that generally takes the armband off Vela if Vela is not available for any particular, you know, for any reason. Um, again, he is that guy that you, you know, he's your locker room guy, right? To a certain degree, I think he's the guy that sews it all together and kind of put, you know, and does those types of things. Obviously, getting given his his age and how long he's been and his experience, um, you know, he's his he is going to be limited to a certain degree. And you've seen that from when they've been pushing forward and, you know, just haven't been able to kind of get back, uh, you know, into their defensive shape at times. And so again, I think, but he still has shown his quality and shown his value in terms of being a guy that just understands when to be, where to be, all those types of things. Um, I do think that black men will likely be overtake the overtake him and eventually be, and likely be the starter heading into next year. But I think he's a guy that will continue to remain on the roster simply for his veteran mm-hmm. presence. Yeah, I, he's been uh, similar to Harvey, just a great guy to have on the roster. Very dependable. Uh, I really can't think of many times where I thought to myself, "Wow, Beta Shore just does not have it for for this team." Uh, always seemed to be in the right spot at the right time, um, and. Uh, again, a, a great guy to have in terms of a locker room presence, is, as far as I can tell. Um, going forward, I really don't know. I I, I do think Blackman is going to have to uh, put up a little bit of a fight for that position still, because Bob seems to really like Beta Shore. So, uh, but I mean, in the long term, it's it's Blackman's to lose, and uh, I guess that brings us right to Tristan Blackman. Again, he's kind of one of those guys we've already talked about quite a bit in conjunction with the center backs. Is there anything else you want to talk about with him? I mean, his service was definitely a surprise this year. I'm not sure I expected to see his ability to cross the ball and be be a creative yeah. force. And so I think that's why you know you were hesitant to kind of say, okay, can he be? You know, would he be? You know, could he potentially just take over? You know. Um, Zimmerman spot right away right, and those types right. of things, you know, heading into next year. And so I think, you know, you're right that as, you know, as a, as a, a, as a person that can, you know, get out wide and create for the forwards. So that way it's, you know, you, you, you take away team's ability to kind of just sit on top of Carlos mm-hmm. Villa, you know, at that corner. And now he can play that ball along the edge and then get into the box. Um, and it's something that you're going to, gives you just yet another option in terms of how you can. Yeah, you're exactly right on why I like him so much at the the right back. And it's because of his abilities when he gets forward and similar to you, I had no idea he had that in him. Um, 
I think he nutmegged one or two guys this year, which again, if that, if your fullback, if your you know, 19 year old fullback is doing that in MLS, I think you're on the right track uh, in terms of a guy who can, who you can trust on the ball. I'm trying to look up his, uh, his assist total here. He had to have had probably five or six assists. Um, but I'm not seeing the stats here. Um, I guess four assists and in, in one goal. So in 18 games. So not bad for a young fullback who's still kind of getting his feet wet. Oh, he's apparently 23. Why did I think he was 19? Yeah. I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah. And you have to think some of those games that he was playing were at center back as well too. Right. So, you know, his, his, his right, right. assist numbers are probably going to be yeah. a little bit um, muted because again, some of the times he featured was was in the middle of the park. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to what I think is the messiest position on this roster. <laughs> uh, and that is goalkeeper. I don't know who to start with because I don't think anybody knows who to start or why they should start them or who should sit or why they should sit. So I'm just going to kick it over to you, Josh, and you take it over. You take over with whoever you want to talk about. I mean, I think this is one of those things where I think the at the end of the day, what we have to try and figure out is, you know, and eventually find is a match winner at goalie, right, in that position. Because neither one of those guys right now has really shown that ability, right? Both of them seem to have a howler in them at some point in the game, right? Um, you know, and, and both have their flaws and their strengths. And, you know, you saw Tyler Miller get the majority of the starts this year and perform fairly well for them, you know, for the most part. But again, I think when, whenever he does stuff, we are all kind of hold, you know, holding bated breath and just expecting, you know, you're almost waiting for something to happen as opposed to being confident that he was really going to shine in those moments. And so, you know, again, and, and with him starting in that second gal, you know, in that, in the playoffs against the galaxy, I don't, you know, again, it was another situation where I don't think any of us were overly confident that he was going to be able to, you know, hold his own and, you know, and when in, again, when it came down to, was he going to be, a, could he win you the game? Right. And so had that game finished at two, two, are you confident that he gets a critical save in a, in a shootout or whatever it may be, you know, or, you know, or the game mm-hmm. on the line to ensure victory. Ugh. Right. Because again, the goal that he gives up is one of those ones where, you know, it's just, it just can't happen, you know, especially if you're going to compete at the highest level. You know, I think I talked about this after that game. It, it if we think that the you know that he's you know that he if we think that he hasn't played well in front of hostile environments in major league soccer i don't know how he's going to react when you go down to south you know to central and Mex- central america and mexico right i i just think we're in for you know you know right um it just doesn't bode well at that point and so Cisnega, you know, again, you saw flashes of brilliance in terms of his ability to be a shot stopper. But, you know, his the thing that was concerning to me was he never seemed like he was able to fully figure out how to organize the, you know, organize the defense in front of him. Um, and again, still, you know, sometimes he's mm-hmm. maybe overly aggressive as opposed to Miller, who's just generally indecisive. And so you kind of, you know, you I'm not sure that how Bob felt about either one of them. And I think I saw a rumor today um, linking LAFC to a keeper coming from Portugal or something. Yeah, I think I saw that same one. I don't remember who it was. Um, Man, who, who was that that I saw? And again, I think, I think he's like 38, but I think (laughs) probably more for a depth. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, um, I, what I what I see when I when I look at these keepers is guys that come in they're kind of just flyers you know you pick up Miller I think it was in the expansion draft or or a trade in conjunction with the expansion draft he was obviously not supposed to be the first choice keeper um, but just stole the job from Buba Lopez who I don't think is very good um, <laughs> clearly and. Uh, then Pablo Cisniega comes in this year, and we've talked about it so many times, performs well in the Open Cup, and that coincides with Miller's absence with the 
national team. So there's some confusion over whose job it is once everybody gets back with the team. And from there on out, I felt like the goalkeeping position was just a bit of a, of a mess for us. Where it wasn't, it wasn't clear who was starting. It wasn't clear that anybody was the number one. So you, there's a lot of chatter around, you know, anytime Miller misses a, he has a, he has a howler. It's like, okay, well now we need to bench it for Cisniega. And then Cisniega comes on and he'll concede a goal or two. And you have the, the other half of the fan base shouting for Miller. Um, so, I mean, I'll basically say what I have all along with these guys. I really don't care who it is. I think you just say, this is our guy. And until somebody else shows up big, we're not changing for anything. Um, and try and build some confidence that way. Um, I think this is, we're, we're definitely going to have to have Laura Mills on the show and have her uh, give her more, much more educated opinion on, on goalkeeping and what LAFC should do. Um, we also have Philip Ejimadu, who spent a, you know, a ton of time loaned out. Maybe he factors in next year if one of these guys leaves. I think Miller probably has more sell-on value, so uh, maybe he gets sold, and, or maybe he's expansion draft bait. Who knows? Um, I guess we'll kick in. Some of the stuff is just we'll have to wait and see. Uh I think that's everybody, Josh. Is there anything else you wanted to say about anybody on the team before we move into expansion draft talk? No, you know, I think I'm just excited to see where where you know what decisions the team makes in the next you know month or two, right? Because that's really all they have to really set the roster in place and you know, as they get back in the training and prepare for, for yeah. Champions League. So, you know, again, it, it's it's gonna come sooner than later okay. for sure. All right. Well, I'm not sure what the best format to do this is. Uh, I have a list of 12 players um, that I think need to be protected. And then I have a, a, a list of notables and a list of guys that honestly, I don't think will be at the team next year. Or if they, uh, if they are left unprotected, I don't think they would be picked by another team. Um, so if you want, we can go through my list. I, did you write down a list, or are you just going to go off the top of your head? Yeah, I'll just go. I'll just riff it from here. But go for it. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just go straight down my list in, in terms of importance uh, when it comes to protecting these players. So the first three, um, well, let's let's back up a little bit. You can protect twelve players. Your DPS are not automatically protected, um, which is a common. Uh, misunderstanding on Twitter. So for those of you who think otherwise, uh, you can look up the rules. If you need help finding them, I'll send them to you. Um, so first three are Vela, Rossi, and Rodriguez. I think these are all very obvious. I don't think Rossi's going to be with the team next year, but in order to sell him in January, you have to protect him now in November so another team doesn't pull the same move. Um, any Any qualms there, Josh? No, I mean, I think those are, you know, the ones we generally expect. Yeah. Uh, the next ones aren't necessarily in any order. Um, now that I'm looking at them, I think it was just uh, as I as I thought of them. So my next one, I have Atuesta, then Blackman, Segura, Palacios, Kay, Blessing, Zimmerman, Lee Wynn, and Dio. That those would be my twelve. Um, and I think basically what you have here is a starting eleven minus a keeper, plus an extra striker and an extra uh, midfielder. Um, and so I think your your fourth midfielder is Lee Wynn, and your extra striker in this case is Dio, um, considering that we already have three forwards uh, being our DPS. So if you do move Rossi in January, I think you have to have Dio there in place for CCL. Uh, I would assume you'd replace him with a, you'd be replacing Rossi with another striker. Um, but it's clear that you're going to have to bring somebody in. And given how Bob likes to ease guys in, I think he's going to want to have Dio there. And then Lee Wynn, I think, is one of those guys that you really want to have as kind of the first guy off the bench in CCL. 
um, to help you either chase a result or to help possess the ball and kind of see the game out. Um, anything? Are you? Do you have any of these different? Not really. Did you say black men as well? You did. Right? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think those ones are pretty self-explanatory. Given, you know, I mean, your list pretty much makes sense. Um, you know, I think you're probably leaving. Miller unprotected, right? And then you're protecting. I'm Cisniega. leaving both Miller and Cisniega unprotected. The thinking unprotected. is, uh, again, I, I what I really wanted is I wanted a, a fourth quality midfielder in Lee Wynn, and you got to have a striker in place because Rossi's probably gone. Yeah. So then, uh, again, with that with that in mind, it makes sense to me going that direction. Yeah. I think the and I, I think, think I, I I just wonder if if they if they do protect Cisniega. For, you know, in because of the investment that they've already put in, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could leave, definitely see that guy, being the case. And then potentially leave a guy like Lee Wynn, who I think we talked about yesterday. You know, for as much as I do, you know, love him as a player, and you know, um, because of the amount of money that you're paying him, I, I wonder if if he now becomes, um, you know, a little bit more expendable in that in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and again, admittedly, he is uh, being. Prote- I'm protecting him as a sub, really. Um, I just think if you have both Cisniega and Miller available in the expansion draft, and one of them gets taken, you're going to be more or less okay. Um, for all the goalkeeper talk that we just had, I think uh, you know if somebody comes in and gets Cisniega, I think you're still confident going into next year with Miller in goal. Um, and maybe you make, maybe you end up making another move. I don't know, but it just seems crazy to me to not want another midfielder to come off the bench, especially given the state of our midfield. I don't think Javi Perez is going to be ready in time. Uh, I, and I think it's clear that Peter Lee Vassell isn't ready to be getting significant, uh, significant minutes, um, especially in CCL. So I think you have to have Lee win in place unless you plan on bringing in a, a, a DP midfielder in in January. Yeah, I mean, again, I think a lot of it will, a lot of these questions is are going to be harder to answer because we don't know what the C, what's going to happen with the CBA as well, right? Like, Yeah, that's true, but, yeah. It's like you said earlier, that, I mean, you might have plenty of money to keep Lee win. It might not matter. Mm-hmm. And again, I think because you're going to have to make decisions before that, that's what makes it twice, you know, just yeah. as hard. And I think that's something, you know, that that um, Thornton alluded to on the podcast, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of looking at that at that whole issue. And and again, I think, again, it, it stinks that you can they don't have these things settled sooner, yeah, right. you know, sooner than later. But again, it's unfortunately the reality of what we're having to deal with with MLS moving forward. Yeah. And as they enter the next, their next phase as a league. Right. Right. Um, so basically, so what you're left with here, I think are three notables. And what I mean by that are guys that are going to draw a lot of interest from other teams in Pablo Cisniega, Tyler Miller, and then Mohamed Munir. I think any of those three guys left unprotected are probably who is going to get uh, snatched up. And then you have guys that I think you can leave unprotected and probably won't be touched. Uh, Josh Perez, Adrian Perez, Javi Perez, Danilo Silva, uh, Peter Lee Vassell. I think that's pretty much it. That's like 20 total guys there. Um, but really those first 15, so the 12 that we protected, the two keepers and then El Munir, I think are the ones that kind of make up the core and you're going to lose one of them. So I think it's I think it's most likely El Munir. But yeah, I mean left backs I think uh, uh, around the world are are a bit hard to come mm-hmm. by so that would make sense to me. Yeah. And I mean especially if it's a team like Miami who's probably looking to make a a splash similar to Atlanta United or or LAFC uh bringing in uh a relatively young left back who can who is good in the attacking third is a good way to come in and score a lot of goals. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the, if that's the one. 
if it's Elmonier to Miami. Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah, unless, of course, it ends up, you know, we make a trade. I think the Galaxy just made a trade with, was it Nashville? Nashville, yeah, they sent um, Romney. Romney over there, I think. I mean, then the, the, the problem there is you can't just make a trade. You had, there's two teams coming in, so you'd have to do something with Miami as well um, if you wanted to completely uh, own what, what's going on in the expansion draft. you got to now trade with two different teams. But All right. Well, I mean, I, that was actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> I think there's... I was, I'm kind of surprised by the consensus that we, that we came to there. Um, let me ask you this, Josh, assuming it's one of those three that, that gets drafted, Cisniega, El Munir, or, or Tyler Miller, where, what are the biggest holes in this roster as you see them? Um, you know, I think moving forward, Keeper to me is probably the biggest one, and then potentially strike. You know, again, I think we've we've still been looking for a bona fide, you know, striker that we can you know count on consistently. Um, you know, we've tried to get in, in different ways, and you know, Carlos Vela has scored a lot of goals, but I'm not sure we can expect record-setting performances from him mm-hmm. every year, um, especially with the way that defenses are likely going to continue to cue on him. And so, you know, either my guess is those those are two things that I would think about. And then depending on what happens, you know, in with with that to us, the midfield is probably midfield depth is probably another place, you know, especially in the defensive midfield, defensive midfield, something that I think probably needs to be addressed as well. Yeah, for me, looking forward to the transfer window, the only way I don't use that DP spot that I assume Rossi is going to vacate on a striker is if Atuesta is sold. If Atuesta is sold, I think all bets are off. I think you saw just how important he, like having a good six in the system is. Uh, and if he is sold, I would be surprised to see another, another midfielder DP, maybe not necessarily a six, maybe somebody that is, I, I mean, maybe even more of a 10 or an eight. Although I, I, be hesitant to sign a 10 because of how the whole Andre Horta thing worked out. You went out and signed one and he never fit the defensive responsibilities. Um, but I think, you know, bringing in a strong DP midfielder to replace Atuesta, uh, it might allow you to move Mark Anthony K back to the six and still perform at a high level. Uh, otherwise I think it's a DP striker all the way. And like you said, I mean, if one of the keepers gets taken, then obviously you're going to have to go sign somebody else because I don't think Philip Ajumadu is going to be there yet. Um, and I mean, that's really it. I mean, it's really striker and keeper for me. And I still think you need some midfield depth. I think what you see is a lot of kind of like trialist type guys in the midfield uh, after Lee Wynn, where you have Javi Perez and Alejandro and Alejandro Guido, who we still know nothing about, and then Peter Lee Vassell. Um, I think you probably need one more like veteran MLS midfielder that can just come in and give you some quality minutes when, when guys need a spell. I don't know what level that would be. I'm trying to think of a comp here, but I, I honestly have no idea. Uh, somebody in between Lee Wynn and Javi Perez, I'll say. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but... No, I mean, I think, like I said, it's it's what the, if you look at times this year, that's exactly what we've lacked, right, is, you know, a flexible mm-hmm. eight and, you know, someone who can come in and just fill those. Yeah, actually, it was, it's Benny Failhaber, right? Someone, yeah, no, someone, I can't, yeah, that's that's right, yeah. Someone along that line who can kind of fit, do, do some things in attack, but it's also great enough to be able to sit back and, you know, and again, and, you know, make, you know, get into the dark arts in the middle of the park and, you know, and mm-hmm. not going to take any crap from some of these other guys. And so, you know, again, it, it's a guy that, you know, as, you know, he, given the development of some of the other guys, needed likely needed to move on. But at the same time, I think we definitely missed him at times this year, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention were the international slots. Now, for anybody who doesn't follow the roster rules very closely, each team is allotted eight international slots. And again, this may change with the CBA. Who knows? 
Um, and those are tradable assets. So you can trade a, an international spot away to another team for a season, for two seasons, for three seasons. Um, and as of right now, we actually have nine international players on our roster. But because Javi Perez was injured and out for the season, we were able to go sign another one. So our current internationals are Adama Diomande, Mohamed El Munir, Diego Palacios, Brian Rodriguez, Eddie Segura, Danilo Silva, Peter Lee Vassal, and Carlos Vela. And then I guess Javi Perez. Um, now, we just talked about how Elmo might not be with us and Danilo Silva might not be with us, so that would free up two spots um, and maybe allow you to go get you know, an international DP or an international TAM signing. But I think that's the last thing to keep your eye on when, when trying to construct this roster. And now that I think of it, didn't Carlos Vela get his green card? I know he was in the process of it, but okay. I think maybe he doesn't have it yet. this year. He was still a, um, I think, still considered a international player. Yeah, I mean, the MLS website has him still listed as an as an international, so I guess that's it. But I would have, I would expect to see this summer as or this off season as well a bunch of players trying to get those so they don't count against those Open Cup and and MLS international spots. So. Josh, anything else you feel like we need to go over? Uh, no, you know, I think it's it's stuff that I, I kind of want to save just given given some of the things that I've talked about in terms of yeah. the rosters and some of the, I mean, uh, roster rules and some of these things. Again, I think a lot a lot will poten- could potentially change. And mm-hmm. until we know more about that, it's going to be it's going to be hard to speculate, um, you know, too much before before we know more in terms of how what the league will look like from that standpoint. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to this two part slog fest of, of an episode. Uh, please let us know what you think about our expansion draft protections. Uh, if you have any differing opinions, please tweet at us. Uh, Josh, where can they find you? LAFC Josh on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey. And please send all the hate our way if you uh, disagree with us. Uh, it, I, I really do mean that. We want to we wanna talk this through with everybody. So let us know what you think. And we will talk to you all probably after the expansion draft when there's some more LAFC news next week. 